the same Holy Spirit power that rose Jesus from the grave, that Holy Spirit lives and resides in all of God's people. This life-giving spirit. So when we come into a situation or circumstance, may we be life-giving, amen, to that situation. May we not uh, take life, but may we give life. I mentioned also last week I picked up Tony Evans' new book on uh, kingdom stewardship, and he defines the kingdom steward as uh, uh, believers who faithfully oversee the protection and expansion of the assets God has entrusted to them to manage on his behalf. So we have this understanding that whatever God gives us, we're, we're responsible for the protection and the expansion. So God didn't just give you that talent to, to hold to yourself and to uh, place into a hole in the ground, but he, he's given you these talents, these gifts, these abilities, and everything he's given to you, entrusted to you, he has given, that you will increase it, that there will be a return on his investment. And we also saw that a faithful steward recognizes everything belongs to God, and nothing belongs to them. Just say to, your, say to yourself, you ain't, you ain't got to say it out loud, but just say it in your mind. Sometimes you got to remind it that it ain't yours. Everything belongs to God and nothing belongs to me. So it doesn't matter what I put my hand on, what I hop in, my, my, my car, my house, my children, my wife, every single thing belongs to God. And as we will see this morning, even your time, it actually belongs to God. The subject of faithful stewardship is not just trying to change and do something different, but faithful stewardship is an is a, uh, entire approach and a way of life. It's just how you exist. So, so this week we continue by exploring how God wants you to steward not your time, his time, because everything belongs to God. Psalm the 90th chapter, verses 1 through 12, if you would, if you are able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. Psalm 90, I'm, going, I'm just going to cover verses 1 through 12 right now, but specifically we'll be in verse 12. Uh, this is the infallible, inerrant word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. This psalm, this is a, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream. Like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy. Or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the 
fear of you. Verse 12, our key verse for today. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. May the Lord a blessing to the reading of us where you may be seated. Just want to tag the text before us this morning. Foundations for the faithful stewardship of time. Foundations for the faithful stewardship of time. Let's go before our Lord in prayer this morning. Oh, gracious and eternal Father, how wonderful, how worthy, how mighty you are, you alone. You have no equal, O oh God. You have no rival. There's no one more beautiful. There's no one more precious. There's no one that deserves our affections or attention more than you. Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and praise. And Father, as we approach a mighty throne of grace to hear from you this morning, I ask that you will forgive us for our sins. Please search us and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. And see if there be any wicked ways within us and lead us in the way everlasting. Father, please lead us in the way everlasting this morning through and by your word. For your word is life. Father, you prayed for us and you said, sanctify them in truth for your word is truth. So, Father, may we hear the incomprehensible truths of Christ this morning. And may we be transformed from the inside out. Heavenly Father, for the mouth that dare not give you praise, I ask that you would just open their mouths. For you already declared if we don't give you praise, the rocks would cry out in our place. So, Father, you really don't need us this morning. Father, you really don't need us to shout hallelujah. You really don't need us to say praise your glorious and righteous name. Father, you really don't need us to carry out your will on, on this earth. Father, because if we didn't show up, the rocks would cry out. But Father, may we be a, a people who declares the rocks will not cry out in my place. But I will bless your name. I will lift you up. I will exalt you. I will tell all that I come in contact with about the goodness of Jesus Christ and just what he's done in my life and just what he can do for each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, please pour out your spirit upon us today that this worship would not be ordinary but extraordinary. May we cast our cares and burdens upon you right now, oh God. May we not worry about what we're going to eat later. May we not worry about what's taking place in our home. May we not be concerned what's going on on our job or what's going on with our children. But right now, God, you say that if we cast our cares upon you, that you are faithful. And you declare in your word that if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, that you're going to take care of everything else. Oh, God, right now, in the name of Jesus. I ask that you would remind us of your promises, that we will hold those promises dear as we walk through this journey called life. And Father, even now, may we be wise to redeem the time that we do have left for your honor, for your glory, and for your name's sake. We do pray. And the people of God said together, amen, amen. You know, over this past Christmas break, I was able uh, to take a day and 
grab my children and head over to the arcade over at, over at the mall. And, uh, you, know, you know, the arcade is not like how it used to be. It's, it's, it's a little different. Yeah. I would say back in my day, back in our day, when we went to the arcade, they just had a change machine. You put in your wrinkly dollar, and sometimes you had to go get a straight dollar. You had to, you know, you had to stretch it out, make it flat, and you put your dollar in. You just got four quarters, and you put a quarter in, you played the game. Simple as that. It's getting a little bit more sophisticated. I remember when Chuck E. Cheese went to tokens, and then you just use one token. You didn't even, you didn't even get quarters anymore. I guess they didn't want people going in there making change for themselves, but you got tokens now, and you just put the token in, and you play the game. So now they have it where you have like a little, a little credit card, and they give you, see, they, they set you up. You got to buy the card first. And once you buy the card, then they, they will load that card with credits. Or what they have now, you, you even have an option. You can have your card loaded with credits, just these random digital numbers that, that, that can play the games, or you can have it loaded with a time. You get a certain amount of time. You can, you can purchase an hour of unlimited gaming or two hours of a, unlimited gaming for a, a, a flat fee. So we went over there, and, and for what we were planning on doing, we just wanted to play games for a little while, go grab something to eat, just hang out. So I, I just purchased one hour of time. I gave the kids their cars, and, and they went at it. They went to begin to play their games, and uh, all they had to do was take their card and swipe, and, uh, and once you swiped, though, what was kind of nice, on the readout, it would show you how much time you had left. So as you played the games uh, longer and longer, uh, you would swipe and you would see that it was less time now than it was before you had, you had swiped earlier. And while they were playing, I just kind of took, took a moment and I went and grabbed some coffee and I came back in. And, and it was getting close to the end and, and, and two of my children came up. And, and they were talking to me, and I said, I said, don't talk to me now. You only got a few minutes left. You better go play these games before your time is up. Don't waste daddy money. Go play the games. So they went and, 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 and ran to play games, but there, there was that moment, though, where their time was over. And when their time was over, they came back to me and said, well, our time is finished. And I said, well, okay, well, let's go grab something to eat from the food court and, and, and kind of go about our day. They had an allotted amount of time that they needed to play. And, beloved, when we think about time, we need to think about the time God has entrusted to us in a similar way. Every single day you wake up, it's because God has sovereignly and graciously made a deposit of time into our personal bank accounts. You didn't wake up just because you felt like waking up. As a matter of fact, many of you didn't want to wake up. You wanted to go back to sleep this morning. But, but God, being rich in mercy, he allowed you to get up out of that bed in your right mind with a decent portion of health and make it to the Lord's house one more time. He made that deposit. He made that determination that you would get up this morning. Had not God said, wake up my child, you would still be in that bed not moving with no pulse because you, your time here, your allotted time would be over. And we can 
then take the time, this divinely allotted time that God has given us on any single day and use it for what it's for, we can waste it doing other things. The text of Scripture in Isaiah, the 43rd chapter and the 7th verse reminds us just why we have been created. Because Isaiah 43, 7 reminds us that we've been created for God's glory. We've been created to show off Jesus in this world. We haven't been created to get likes on our, on our personal page. We've been created to point those we come in contact with to a greater king. His glory. And if we don't point others to the glory of Christ Jesus, then you're just wasting your time. This commodity called time is a, it's a gift of grace from God. Too precious to be squandered. Yet it seems like we waste so much of it. Time. There's endless ways that we can waste time these days. Of all the technology, all that you can do, all the places you can go, there's, there seems like there's this endless list of things you can just waste your time on. You, we waste our times with our phones. We waste our times on the Internet. We waste our times with our tablets. We waste our times on computers. We waste our times on television. We waste our times in recreation. We waste our times on hobbies. Some of y'all in a relationship right now wasting your time. We waste, waste, waste time. Understand, the time we waste is not this generic pool of time that's just out there. When you waste time, you're wasting your time. When you waste time, you're taking your bank account and just kind of Flushing minutes down the toilet. Some of y'all ain't got unlimited data. And when you ain't got unlimited data, you act a little different, don't you? When you don't got unlimited data, you don't just give your tablet to your kids and say, here, you can watch whatever you want. No, you, you say you just sit there and you just be quiet. See, but when you, you act different when you got unlimited data, beloved, you act like you got unlimited life. And we are wasting time. And we are serving ourselves rather than serving the Most High God. We're giving our times away to things and people who just don't deserve it. And God has called us to be more thrifty with our time. We need a fundamental shift in how we view time and how we relate to time. If we're going to use God's time wisely. Our thesis for today is simply because God has entrusted you with a limited amount of time, you should spend it with eternity in mind. Because God has entrusted you with a limited amount of time, you should spend it with eternity in mind. In other words, you should counsel with God before you calendar your time. Before you say yes, before you start just doing stuff because you're used to doing stuff, we need to start consulting with God to find out what he wants us to do with his time before we start doing with, with his time what we want to do. I understand the weightiness of this. Every day 
you're making a deposit into eternity. The way you spend your time today, I ain't even talking about yesterday. I ain't talking about last week. I ain't talking about when you're little. We just going to start today. The way you spend your time today will have eternal implications. Don't waste your time. The weightiness of, of, of this reality is at the heart of the, of the psalmist's words here in the 90th chapter of Psalm when he says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The context of this passage is simply uh, Israel is in the, the midst of, of turmoil. And this is a, a, a communal lament. This is a recognition of how God's wrath toward their sin has brought terrible trouble and sorrow into their lives. This psalm is an intense awareness of morality, mortality, and sin. This psalm reveals our fragile and fleeting lives. And from the text, I want to bring before you two points this morning. Specifically, a mind set on eternity is counting down the days. Secondly, a mind set on eternity spends time wisely. Firstly, a mind set on eternity is counting down the days. In verse 12, the, the first half of it, he just simply says, so teach us to number our days. He is saying, you need to count your days. Lord, teach us how to pay attention to how my days are going. Lord, teach us. Teach me to pay attention to the fact that I only have so many days allotted. Help me to pay attention. And, I, I, and he comes to this conclusion because he has his eyes set on eternity. You know, there's a saying that you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And we, and we really just like to say that when somebody confronts us about our sin and we just kind of want to shut them up. But, but what I want us to do is I, I want us to, uh, as we consider being faithful stewards, to take that phrase, I want us to actually flip it in and tweak those words because I argue you're no earthly good unless you're heavenly minded. If you're not thinking about eternity, if you're not thinking about God, if you're not considering what would be pleasing to God, then you're no earthly good. If you're only thinking about right now, just like a child, well, I say just like a child, just like a lot of grown-ups, they only think about the right now. They're only thinking about the moment. They're living in the moment, going about the moment, and they're making decisions in the moment, and they're not thinking about the consequences of this decision being made in the moment. Beloved, the way you spend your time is going to have consequences. And when you are steeped in just the moment, then you're going to miss the, the broad panoramic view that God wants you to understand when it comes to eternity. There's the, the short game, but there's a long game. In the short game, we just worry about being faithful. In the long game, when you're faithful in the little things, last week, he'll make you, he'll give you and put you over much. We have to think about the long game. The, the psalmist, he, and he realizes that, that this moment is just fleeting 
Why? He notices this because in the passage, he's looking toward the heavens and he has set his thoughts on the eternality of God. Verse 2, he, he says about God, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We have this concept sometimes that uh, the, the world really didn't start until we were born. Well, at least that's how we act sometimes, that, that life really didn't matter until I got here. But, but, but the psalmist is saying, it doesn't matter when I got here. If I got here early or if I got here late, really everything is all about God because before the earth was even here, God was here. Before the mountains was even formed, God was already on the throne. Before the, the sea rose up and the, 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 the animals were put in the field, God was already ruling and reigning. Before he said, let there be anything, he already was and is and is to come. Before anything came into being, God was already ruling and reigning in glory. And, and because the psalmist is able to look to the eternality of God, it helps them to have perspective upon his own life. It's in the shadow of this eternal God that, that the psalmist casts his light upon this ephemeral man. Verse 3, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. We decorated dust. That's all we are. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is Past or as a watch in the night. He's saying that the thousand years is nothing to God. What are, now, what is our lives? A watch in the night is but four hours. That's how quickly our lives roll by. He says, you sweep them, man. You sweep man away as with the flood. They are like a dream. You know what he's saying? He said, he said our lives come and go in the sense that well, we show up for a second and we're gone. And then it's like we weren't even there. It's like a dream. But you only worried about the moment. You worried about getting your stacks of cash right now. You worried about getting that promotion right now. And the psalmist is saying, your life is like a dream. It's nothing. In the morning, he says, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. He's talking, it's, it's like those weeds in your yard. Like when you went to bed, it wasn't no weeds. But when you got up the next morning, you got all these weeds. Like where did it come from? They just came up quickly. And then, and, and then we take them out. See, he's saying the, the life of man is like, it's like a, a blade of grass. You show up on the scene. You think you all that. But by the end of the day, you gone. Verse 7 through 9, he begins to talk about why. Why is our life so quick? It's because of sin. It's because of Adam's sin, but also because of our own personal sin. Because sin has entered into creation, now death has come into this world. When I say eternal God and ephemeral man, ephemeral, it, it, it simply means lasting a very short time. Short-lived, transitory. Y'all teachers knew that definition already. I had to look it up. So because sin enters in, we see from Adam onward the steady decrease in the duration of man's life. Adam, he comes on the scene and lives some 930 years 
Most of us, we know the trivia question, who's the oldest man in the Bible? Methuselah, 969 years. Noah, he lived 950 years. Shem, 600 years. Abraham, 175 years. You see what's going on? As time goes on, man is living less and less years to the point where now, in the text, he says the years of our life are 70. Or by reason of strength, 80. Or if you got that good insurance, <laughs> 80. If you've been working out, if you got a, a membership to Planet Fitness, that $10 a month, uh, membership that you actually use, maybe 80. What he's saying is uh, that, that man's life is short. In comparison to our eternal God, our lives are short. Scripture reminds us, Psalm 39, verses 4 through 5, O Lord, make me to know my end, and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. If, you if, 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 if you're prideful, see, this is why we need to read the Bible. Because the Bible will humble you. The Bible humbles me. I think I'm all that. And then I see my days are but a breath. God has the audacity to say my life is fleeting. Oh, well, if God says it, then I better recognize it. See, when you put your face in the scriptures and God begin to expose you and remind you that you really ain't all that, the fact that everything that you have, I have given to you, that you have nothing to boast about because the, 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 the footing at the foot of the cross is flat. There is no, no, no hierarchy, no, 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 no status at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross, it don't matter if you make six figures or two figures. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you came from, what side of the tracks, your socioeconomic status, your, your background. You grew up in a home that loved Jesus. and You grew up on the streets. It, it doesn't matter at the foot of the cross. We are sinners. And if Jesus has invaded your life, you're just a sinner saved by grace. He's reminding us we really ain't all that. Can I say that? Without you being mad at me, you ain't all that. I ain't all that. So stop acting like you all that. James 4, I'm going to move on. James 4, verse 13, he says, come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For, for you are a mist, and that appears for a little time, then vanishes. The King James just say, you are, your life is but a vapor. And I, when I used to teach this to the, to the kids, I would remind them, especially being from Michigan. See, today you just got a, a little taste of Michigan cold. That's just a little taste. The wind wasn't even blowing. It, I mean, just a taste. But in, in Michigan, you go outside and you, and you just blow your breath and go, oh. and you see that vapor that comes? But just as quick as that vapor comes, that vapor goes. Beloved, this is your life. It comes and it goes. Who are, who are we really? We have the audacity to make this life all about us when this life has always been about God. 
in the shadow of this eternal God, the key that we, that we learn is that a faithful steward of time understands the urgency of serving the Lord right now. Right now. Don't wait till you grow up to serve the Lord. Don't wait till you retire to serve the Lord. Don't, don't wait until you get it together to serve the Lord. Because, beloved, if you keep on waiting, you don't know if the Lord is going to make that deposit of time into your bank account tomorrow morning. You don't know if, if you walk out of here this morning, if God is going to be sustaining and, and pumping your heart. Every pump of your heart is a beat of grace. Understand it. It's, it's because of God's grace that's, that your heart is still beating. The Holy Spirit is just massaging your, your heart and allowing you just to keep breathing that next breath and that next breath and that next breath. It's, it's God's grace. That is allowing us to stand. So understand. Serve the Lord now. Don't wait. A steward of God realizes to number their days. So teach us to number our days, but then secondly, a mindset on eternity is counting down now. A mindset on eternity spends time wisely. This is the second part, portion of that scripture, verse 12. So teach us to number our days. Why? That we may get a heart of wisdom. Wisdom. Remember the the steward is expected to, to maximize what has been entrusted. What God is revealing to us is it's not that every moment of your life needs to be planned. That, that, don't, don't hear me say that as, as I continue on and give us some points on what to do. Every moment of your life doesn't need to be planned. But hear this. Every moment of your life should have purpose. It may not be planned, but it should have purpose. Why do, I, why do I believe that? Because 1 Corinthians 10, 31 reminds me that whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, I should do to the glory of who? The glory of God. You know it. The psalmist is asking God, please help me to make the most of my present time. Help me to make the most of my life right now. And when, and when you begin to walk in your purpose and fulfill your purpose, then you're able to look at life and plan with a purpose. I remember when I, when I was in seminary, and they would give you stacks and stacks of books. I mean, anyone who's who've done uh, I I any education know that when you're learning, you get all these books, and you got to do all this reading. So what the Lord uh, uh, did with me, I, uh, he, if, you, if you know me, I, I'm, a, I'm a planner. And I've said it before, my, my calendars have calendars, like for real. And I'm always planning. So, so, what, so what I did was I went through every single uh, syllabus that I had, and, and I wrote down the readings, and I, I did the math. I, I had 300 pages in this book and 500 pages, and I would come to like a couple thousand 
uh, pages that I would need to read, and then I would, I would take the number of days in the semester, and then I would just divide the number of days by the pages and just read maybe like 20 pages a day. And, but but if, I, if I just read 20 pages a day, if I was faithful to the little things, then, then the big things would take care of themselves. So, so I was planning, but, but it wasn't just because I had this bright idea. It's because the Lord put in my heart, it's like, you ain't here to play games. You ain't here to go to school for 20 years. You're here to take care of business. Now you got to plan with a purpose. Because I had a purpose, I was able to look from the beginning of this purpose to the end of the purpose graduating and come up with a way of walking through. Beloved, when you are looking at the moment, you don't see the purpose of your entire life. But when God gives you an exalted view of who he is and a a wake-up call about who you really are, then you're able to see this life really is not about what I want to do all the time. This life is really about being pleasing to God. And then if I know the beginning from the end, then I'm able to plan with a purpose on how to live my life every single day. I don't, I don't have to worry about uh, working hard to ramp up this, this Christian lifestyle. I just be faithful one day at a time. Beloved, just be faithful one day at a time. Let the small things take care of the big things. I love telling people, how does an ant eat an elephant? One bite at a time. If you want to be faithful to God, Take the small steps. Instead of waking up and getting breakfast first, how about you wake up and feed your soul first? Instead of texting gossip about that person you saw, how about texting somebody a scripture of encouragement? Instead of being so difficult on your job, instead of telling everybody no, how about you just say yes once a day? Be faithful over the small things. And it's living with a purpose. Lord, help me in those small things that I may be faithful to you. The key that we need to understand is when you look towards the eternal God that your ephemeral perspective changes. Your your short-term perspective changes when you begin thinking about eternity. When we think about eternity, you you recognize this life won't last always. And it begins to create a sense of urgency to deal with sin in your life. And, and to walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, like right now. Stop making a promise to the Lord that one day you're going to get it right. Who say you're going to get that day to get it right? Instead of making promises of what you're going to do, how about you make a request to the Lord to help you do what he's called you to do? Lord, help me, just help me to be faithful. Have you prayed that prayer? Have, have you ever just said, Lord, help me just to be faithful? Lord, help me to actually love you. You, you said, well, I don't feel like I love God. Have you asked God to help you love him? When your mind is set on eternity... The main thing becomes the main thing. See, when your mind is focused on eternity, you ain't worried about these little squabbles. You're not worried about these little issues. The Apostle Paul says this, this, this life is meaningless to me when I think about eternity. It means nothing. Every, every degree I got, it means nothing. Every job I've ever had, it means nothing. Every nice car, every nice home, everything that I had means nothing compared to the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. 
the main thing becomes the main thing, and you're able to stop being so petty. Help me, son. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. We some bitter and petty people. We keep, we keep arguments going. We keep fuse moving. But if God has really, as Ecclesiastes, the third chapter tells us, set eternity in the heart of man, then we understand that this ain't it. And, and this ain't my home because I got a home in glory and I'm, I can't wait to I, all this extra stuff don't matter when the main thing stays the main thing. And that's being pleasing and serving God. When your mind is set on eternity, your priorities begin to align with heaven. When you have a mind set on Christ Jesus, then you're able to have clarity on, on what you should do and how you should live and who should be your friend, who you shouldn't hang with, where you should browse and what you should click and what you shouldn't click. When you, when you have a mind set on Christ, it makes all the difference. In the, a, a mind set on Christ, beloved, I believe, has the ability and the power to control your mouth. If your mind is set on God, then your mouth will start moving in the direction of God. If, 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 if your mind, like, think about that. If you really believe the scriptures when it says you're going to have to give account for every single word spoke, that you're going to have to explain why, why you say that to them. You know you wasn't supposed to say that. you just talking off the side of your neck just however you want to because you feel like. But when you understand that God has, he, he, has, he will hold you accountable for everything you say. Then you begin to hold your tongue a little bit more. This is what the Proverbs say, even a fool, if they keep their mouth closed, they look wise. <laughs> Beloved, this radical change comes not because, I, not because you go to church more. Not, not, not because you hang out with Christians more. Not because you give more to the church. Not because you, you, you do more nice things. It's not because anything you do, but it's because a mindset on Christ is transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a mindset on Christ. Beloved, when our minds are set on this world, we miss what matters most. Let me, let, let me, let me quickly focus on this. I, I want to particularly focus on this issue because this is where we are in America. Because in America, we all have busy lives. Busy. I'm guilty. The Lord is preaching to me here. Because one of the ways we miss what matters most is because we're always busy. Beloved, the Lord has just been burdening me. Just reminding me busy is not best. We wear busyness like it's a badge of honor. Oh, I'm busy. You know why we say that? We, we, we say we busy because it's, it's like a statement of self-importance. Like you actually got something to do. It's, a, it's seeking a, uh, it's a sign of significance. If you're able to tell everybody you're busy all the time, the people might walk away. Oh, they must be important. They just busy all the time. But could it be, beloved, 
that busyness is actually the result and stems from a lack of faith. You busy just because you need to have control over everything. You got to take care of them. You got to take care of that. You got to take care of this because if you don't take care of it, it ain't going to be done as well. If you can't see about it, if you can't make the call, if you don't show up, beloved, how many of y'all know that God don't need you? God don't need you to do his work. You act like you guys trophy piece, that you guys uh, a super fixer. You the super helper. Oh, and you're going to fly out with your cape, and you're going to rescue people out of their situation. Instead of getting on your knees and praying for folks, you, try, you, you busy trying to save folks because you got control issues. Busy. You don't have time for the saints. You don't have time for Sunday school. You don't have time for Bible study. You don't have time for devotion. You busy. You can't volunteer because you're busy. Hebrews 11.6 reminds me without faith, this is impossible to please God. You know, it, it got to a point in my life where I, I was suffering from severe anxiety just trying to make sure I could preach every single week and preach a good word. And you know what God had to show me? He said, boy, you ain't the one preaching the word anyway. You just need to be faithful. You need to get your butt and study, and you need to get up there and, and, and rely upon the Holy Spirit because it, it ain't no matter how sophisticated the speech is, how eloquent your sentences are. If the Holy Spirit don't give you power, then you ain't talking about nothing. And in your life right now, if the Holy Spirit don't give you no power to deal with it, then you really ain't doing nothing. You just got anxiety. You're pulling your hair out. You got a patch on your arm because you keep scratching because you're so worried. And God is saying, let it go and let me take care of you. You just need to believe. He says, stop casting your cares upon me and then picking them back up. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you can't say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you in this situation, then God, then God is not going to move over some situations. And, and he's going to keep putting you in situations where they think they got it. I'm going to let them do it. They, they, they say they're going to do that too. I'm let, and then God would just allow the chips to stack up on your back. And, and all you, you, you don't even walk up straight no more because you're carrying all the burdens yourself. I mean, you bent over, you hunched over, and you can't stand straight. You can't lift your chin up because you're trying to take care of everybody else's problems. But God says, beloved, I came to bring peace. And when you trust in me and start getting rid of some of that baggage off your own back, then you're going to be able to stand up. And then when you're able to stand up, you can stop navel-gazing and you can start looking at me. See, when you're able to, you have beloved, you can't work worship like this, but you so go worship like this. Some of you need to stand up by allowing God to take over your situation. You breaking down your own praise because you trying to handle it, but God says without faith it's impossible to please God. We're too busy. Sometimes we're too busy from the failure to make a hard choice. We don't want to disappoint somebody. We don't want to say no. We don't, we, 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 we don't want people to look at us a certain way. We don't, 
with four kids in our home, everybody can't be in multiple sports. Because I, I, I've determined from, I've, I've just determined, I'm not going to allow our children's sports to run our family. Our family is going to run our children's sports. So guess what that means? I'm sorry, you're doing this, so you can't do this. But if I can't tell my child no, then guess what I'm going to be? I'm going to be the taxi and the chauffeur. That's it. I'm going to be the limo driver. I ain't going to have no peace of mind because I'm driving everybody else around. I'm picking everybody up, taking everybody here and there. How about, how about you just work your job and get, call a lift sometime? Stop using folks and, and allow them to stand up. Sometimes we just got to make a hard choice. But because we people pleasers, we don't say hard things. And it's not even a hard thing in the sense that it's a bad thing. It's just you just don't want to be seen in a certain light. So you keep saying yes, so you stay busy. Beloved, at the end of the day, what the scriptures reveal, this business we deal with, business is something we choose. I mean, now I'll nuance that. There are situations and circumstances and seasons where you may have to care for an ailing family member. Like, uh, you, you, you may uh, be raising your children by yourself and you need two or three extra. Like, there's, there, are, there are circumstances. Don't, don't, hear me, don't hear me saying that. But for most of us, we busy because we choose to be. Maybe we just don't like being in a house with our spouse, so we just run all day. Maybe we really being maybe maybe we just stack our calendar because we really don't want to be around certain folks. Not y'all. Y'all saved. But in most cases, I dare say we're busy because we choose to be. Why do I know that? Because Jesus said the same thing to Martha. In Luke the 10th chapter, what does Jesus say to, to Martha? Martha's busy in the house preparing the meal for everyone's there. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him. Verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted by much serving. She was busy. She was busy. She was busy doing, she she wasn't even busy doing a bad thing. She went out to club. She was serving. And she gets mad and, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Jesus, she ain't doing that. She ain't busy. Tell her to help me then. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Beloved, your busyness is a choice. And really, you're just not choosing the good portion. What the Lord has dealt with me over the years, and, and, and again, it's not even bad things. It, I mean, it could be good things. And, and what we have to learn it, and what we have to pray for, because it, it, it doesn't just come up out of us. What, 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 what I have prayed in the past is, Lord, help me to choose best before good. Help me choose what's best, not just what's good. Because if you choose enough best things, it's going to fill up your calendar. 
But what God, what, what, what Jesus is saying to Mary is that don't get too busy to where you can't spend time with me. If you're too, if you're too busy to spend time with the Lord, then you're too busy. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy not to pray. And God wants us to begin to let some things go because we just trust him. It may not get done how you think it should, be get, it should get done. But God, he'll take care of what needs to be done. And believe me, if, if God's taking care of it, he's going to do it better than you could ever do in, your, in the first place. But ultimately, we need to be asking ourselves, how does God want me to spend my time today? A few ways that we do this, we, the way that we can spend our time well today is invest in eternity. Because this world is passing away, you need to measure your time in light of Scripture. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians that we should uh, walk in a wise way, uh, making sure we're redeeming the time. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Your use of time reveals that you know what God's will is. God has a certain will for your life. But when you commune with the Lord, when you, when, when you abide in Jesus, then you're able to know what God just wants you to do for your life. So you, you need to be, spend time investing in eternity, uh, but then also you need to spend time just asking God for wisdom. James 1 and 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who give generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But then most of all, not only should you invest in eternity or ask God for wisdom, I think the most important thing on this list is use your time for God and for others. If, if the greatest commandment is to love God and love neighbor, but yet we don't, we don't set apart time for God or our neighbor, are we truly loving God and neighbor. If you don't have enough time for God, if you don't have enough time for anybody but yourself, then you are not fulfilling the great commandment. You're living selfishly. You're living for yourself, really. How, how can we best show our love? Sometimes it's just spending time with people. Don't, don't worry about making sure they got all the latest clothes. Don't, don't make sure they got all the latest entertainment systems and councils. And, uh, beloved, if we're talking about children, they don't measure your love and how much you spent on them. Your child measures your love for how much time you spent with them. How can we not do the same thing with God? If God was to measure your love for him today based upon how much time you spend with him, what would he have to say? If God was to measure how faithful you've been to the greatest commandment to love God and love neighbor, if he was to measure how, how much time you've given to other people, what would he have to say? Some of our calendars completely and totally revolve around ourselves. 
But God says, that is not how I want you to use my time that I've entrusted to you. But beloved, our hope is not getting our time together. Like, Like our hope is not in learning how to uh, calendar and how to, to budget. That's, the, that's not what Jesus wants us to understand. He, what he wants us to understand is that our hope is not in ourselves, but our hope is the one who spent his time perfectly. Our hope is in Christ Jesus because he's the one, before the day broke, spent time with the Lord. He's the one who constantly got away to hear a word from the Lord. He's the one that every time a, a, a major decision was made, he would spend the night praying. Jesus shows us example after example of the one who, who uses time perfectly to the point of Galatians 4, uh, 4 through 5 reminds us that, that at the right time, God sent forth his son. See, God, he's, he may not come when you want him, but the scripture reminds us, but he always on time. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, to live a life that you and I could not live, and yet to walk down the streets of the Via Della Rosa up to Golgotha and to climb up on the cross at the right time. Beloved, it was at the right time that the guards put a nail into his right hand at the right time. It was the guards who put his nail in his left hand at the right time. It was the guards who, who, who put a nail through his feet at the right time. And at the right time, Jesus said, and I, and I would be lifted up from the earth and draw all men unto me. He's talking about the crucifixion. And at the right time, they, they lifted him high. And at the right time, they stretched him wide. And at the right time, the, 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 the soldiers gambled away and, 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 and bid for his clothes to fulfill the prophecy in Scripture. And at the right time, the, the soldier pierced him in the side because the Scripture said that his bones would not be broken and they, they would not touch him. And at the right time, Jesus said and called out to the Father, it is finished to tell us and he, at the right time he gave up the ghost and it was in glory but beloved it was at the right time three days later when they went looking for him in the tomb they opened the tomb and they found an empty tomb because at the right time Jesus rose with all power in his hand victory and majesty and he said death you are defeated no longer will you have your rule and reign over my people because at the right time Jesus stepped on Satan's neck and he defeated death and he said all who come unto me will now have victory and in glory Time won't be an issue because in glory, we're not operating on a pay-as-you-go plan, beloved. In glory, I ain't got to worry about my minutes. Oh, hallelujah. In glory, I ain't got to worry about running out of data. In glory, I ain't got to worry about missing no text because in glory, he says his glory will shine outside the sun because it's from everlasting to everlasting. You know how long everlasting to everlasting is? It's everlasting. You won't have to worry about running out of spending time with God. You won't have to worry about 
faking the calendar to go see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You say, I'll get over your house next week because I know next week is coming because as long as God is sitting on the throne and he holds my life in the palm of his hand, I know I got time to calendar with you. We, I look forward to, to setting a calendar and a play date with Noah. I'm looking forward to hollering at King David. I'm looking forward to say, Solomon, now what was wrong with you? You had everything, boy. I'm going to talk to Abraham. I'm going to talk to Eve and say, why you trick your husband. I'm going to talk to all the saints and I'm going to make time because it's going to be unlimited in glory. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Call on Jesus now while you still have time. Because my Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verses 1 and 2, working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. This, this entire worship service has been God's grace. Don't receive this grace in vain. But he says, for he says, in a favorable time, I'll listen to you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Beloved, don't leave this place without making sure you're right with God before your time runs out. No man knows the day or the hour. But we do know this. It's appointed unto man to die once. And then the judgment. Because that judgment day, God says you will give an account for how you spent your time. What will the way you spent your time say about you? Spend your time faithfully, not wastefully. Father God, thank you for your word, for the instruction and godliness, godliness that only comes from your word. Oh, my Lord, thank you for the privilege just to preach your word. Father, may you impress upon our hearts the privilege to hear your word. And may we be moved out of a sense of gratitude because you love us so much. And Father, today for the one who just can't get it together, Lord. Remind them that it's you who gets us together through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, may you take this word and sow it deeply into our hearts that we would leave this place being more faithful stewards of time. In the precious and matchless and mighty name of Jesus the Christ, we do pray. And all of God's people said together, Amen. Amen.